to the Lamb. Somebody shout, I'm free. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to the name of Jesus. How we bless thy name, O oh God. We exalt thee. We exalt thee. Woo! My, 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 my. There's one thing about this freedom from the Lord. To whom, whom the Son has set free. It's free indeed. Woo! That means no matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, Paul, they can put shackles around your hand. Peter, they can lock you up in the third dungeon. Come on, somebody. But when God has set you free, Deep inside, you're free indeed. My, that's the power of this gospel. Even those who live in countries of bondage can be set free in their heart, in their spirit, in their mind by the power of this gospel. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 3. I'm going to read. Verse 16, I'm sure y'all probably never heard of that verse. We are so excited about our guest. We have with us, uh, I believe that is Lucy Laurel Collins uh, II, a guest of Nyanka. But we also have Lucy Laurel Collins I. Now, I don't know, is first and second actually here, or did we just refill out forms? Where are we at? Is first and second actually here? I love it. Come on, give them a hand. We also have Christopher Collins is with us, a guest of Nyanka. I love it, this whole family. And Jean Romulus, a guest of uh, Marie Jean. Let's welcome our guests to the house of the Lord. God bless them, touch them mightily. My prayer. Amen. Well, we'll just hold you a few more minutes. But when we come to the house of the Lord, we just have to hear from his word. Something about it. Need the word of the Lord. The Bible says we are washed by the word. We are begotten by the word. The power of the word of the Lord is what keeps us. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's it. Read it with me. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a mighty God we serve. How we love him. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Everybody say, God, bless the man of God. Use him in Jesus' name. Now, this is 
Veterans Day, and so uh, we are going to speak just a little bit in this area. I want to talk to you and I today about the cost of freedom. Tell your neighbor, freedom comes with a cost. We will not belabor this point, but we'll just read a few statistics here concerning one of the most detrimental, deadly, and devastating wars of our time. That was World War II. General Sherman once said, you don't know the horrible aspects of war. I've been through two wars, he said. I know. I've seen cities and homes in ashes. I've seen thousands of men lying on the ground with their uh, faces looking towards heaven, yet no life in their eyes. He says, I tell you, war is hellish. In World War II, for example, the basic statistics qualify it as the most, the greatest and most expensive war on the planet. During a time of history, in all 61 countries, there was 1.7 billion people involved in this war. Three-fourths of the world's population, as far as countries are concerned, were involved. Terms of money, over a trillion dollars of their day, not our day, was spent upon that war. The most expensive war ever known to mankind. Soviet Union government calculated that Russia lost 30% of its national wealth in this war. The full cost to Japan was estimated to be $562 billion in their day. Germany bombing and shelling had produced 5 billion cubic yards of rubble. The human cost was beyond words. There, just the Holocaust alone, five to six million Jews' lives were taken. Another 55 million dead, 25 million of those military, 30 million civilian. The human cost of the war fell heaviest upon Russia, where they saw uh, military and civilian of an exceeding of 20 million killed. The military deaths on both sides in Europe numbered 90 million in war. Japan, 6 million. The U.S., which saw the war not touch its, uh, its precious grounds, uh, but yet 292 loss of military and 115 loss for other reasons. Freedom costs. Everybody say freedom costs. You and I that have never served in the armed forces, never traveled into the deep hidden jungles of Vietnam or the hot, horrid deserts of Afghanistan and other Middle Eastern areas. There is no way for us to understand, no way for us to comprehend. I can remember the stories my brother would tell me when they fought in Vietnam and, and they were horrid. 
it. Some of the stories told me by others that fought in the Afghan war, some of them right here out of this church. And the stories are horrid. Freedom costs. Everybody say freedom costs. The theme of war is found throughout the word of God. John chapter 5 and verse number 13. And it came to pass when, I'm sorry, Joshua 5 and 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him art thou for us or for our adversaries he looked at Joshua and said nay but I am the captain of the host of the Lord another translation here says I am the captain the chief captain of arms he said I now come and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him what saith my Lord unto his servant? The power, the subject of war flows through the word of God. God even has a chief of arms. You and I don't understand it all. We get small glimpse that we look into it. Such as when Paul speaks to Timothy in Timothy 1 and 18. This charge I commit unto thee son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare we don't comprehend it all but one thing we know as the children of the living God we are in war not only are we in war, we are dressed out with the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. Our loins are girt about with truth. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. And in our sheath is the sword of the Spirit. We are the marching army of a living God. God. And it's important we know what the fight is all about. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 commands you and I to put on the whole armor of God. Why? That we may be able to stand against the tricks of the devil or the wiles of the devil. Paul says in Romans 8 chapter 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Woo! as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep of the slaughter but look at verse number 37 nay in all these things we are more Come on, somebody. 
We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Through him that loved us. I've come to tell you, we're in war, but we're on the winning side. Our captain has never failed. Our foe has been defeated. Can you shout hallelujah? Paul speaks of another war in Romans chapter 7, verse number 23. He said, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Look, at, look what Paul says in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But he already had the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come on, somebody. Yes, we're in the battle, but our captain will never lose. Our captain is victorious. We are and shall always be victorious. Now, I don't want to mess with your theology. But Jesus did not come to this earth to fight the devil. He had already whooped him. Disciples came up to him one time. They were bragging about devils being cast out. He said, hey, Bo, what are you bragging about that for? I saw Satan fall like lightning from the east to the west, from the heavens to the earth. I won that war before you were ever a thought. Stay with me a minute. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And then he tells them in verse 19, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I don't want to blow your mind, but your war is not with the devil. He's already a defeated foe. He's just lying to you. He's deceiving you. Every day you get up, you've already got victory over him. Every breath you take in the Holy Ghost, you've already got power over him. He said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. The adversary, the devil, is already a defeated foe. Why don't we start walking in victory? Why don't we start walking victorious like we are? Now, if you want to go mully grub with the devil in some slum somewhere, if you want to go roll in the mud of sin, if you want to roll in the mud of depression and all those things, I guess that's just your business. 
devil didn't, God didn't come here to fight the devil. He whooped him a long time ago. And he has given me and you power over it. This battle was won. Just stay with me for a minute. This battle was won before Jesus ever came in the flesh. The war that Jesus came to fight for me and you is the war against sin and death. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, the devils are subjected unto us through thy name. Now watch this. He said unto them, I beheld Satan fall. Verse 19. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Verse 20. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not the fact that you got power over the devil. Don't rejoice in that. I gave that to you. He said, but I'm going to tell you what you need to rejoice about. I'm going to tell you what your dance a victory ought to be about because here's the real battle. Here's the real war. He said, get excited when your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your name doesn't get written in the book of life until you win the war over sin and over death. And you can't do that without the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the battle you and I are in. That's the war me and you are in. I wish you'd wake up to it. All you've got to do is say, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says he must flee. But this old boy, but this old boy, Paul said, I war, I war, I war. Jesus said, if you're going to rejoice, rejoice. That you get victory over sin. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give God praise. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that you have power over the devil. I gave that to you. I filled you with my spirit. I said, you shall receive power. Huh? Yes. I gave that to you. But rather, rejoice. Because your name is written in heaven. Look at verse 21. Are you there? In that hour, Jesus. Rejoice. Watch me. 
He wasn't shouting when he came out of the out of the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and prayer. And the devil had tempted him in every measure. Jesus didn't come out of there going, Woo! Victory over the devil. He walked in there with victory over the devil. He was in there for me and you, not him. He was in there to show me and you how to resist that guy. How to, how to make him flee. How to make him run. He came out of there. He went in. The Bible says full of the spirit. The word of the Lord says he came out full of power. He took that old boy down. When he got tired of him messing with him. You know, he let him mess with his bread. He let him, he let him mess with his body. But the moment he said, bow and worship me, Jesus said, hey, boy, you just crossed the celestial line. Don't you remember what happened to you eons ago when you told angels to bow and worship you? The next thing you knew, there was a big old fat boot up your backside. You found yourself faster than lightning imploding into the earth as God kicked you out of heaven. You better watch out, devil, because from earth you just go to hell. From heaven you went to earth, but from earth you're just going to go to hell. The next time God kicks you, devil, it's straight into the bottomless pit of a lake of fire, and you're never coming out again. He looked at that devil. He said, get out of here. I got things to do. Now he's talking to his disciples. He says, I'm going to tell you when to rejoice. Not because you cast out devils. Not because you have power over your adversary. But when you conquer your flesh. When you conquer sin. When you overcome death. When those things happen. That's when you can begin to rejoice. And the Bible says in that hour, Lord God, Jesus began to rejoice. He began to praise my God. Why? He knew what his blood would do. He knew what he came to do. He knew what was going to happen. That's why Paul said, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Tell your neighbor, when you're baptized in Jesus' name, look at them. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, that's when it's time to rejoice because you have conquered sin and death. 
baptism. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. When you're buried in Jesus' name, you can rejoice. When the Holy Ghost comes into you, it gives you life eternal. You've conquered death. You can rejoice. Is anybody here full of the Holy Ghost? Has anybody here been baptized in Jesus' name? Come on. It's time to rejoice. That's what you get excited about. That's what you praise God about. That's what you dance about. Woo! Woo! Look at your neighbor and punch him on the arm nicely. Well, not that nice. Look at him and tell him, you remind me of Adam. You jerk. Blame the woman. Well, the woman ate the apple. Well, the man was standing next to her. You wimp. Man, don't get me off on that. I'm about to, I'm about to implode here. Not explode, but implode. Y'all be throwing all kinds of things at me. Romans 5 and 12, just a few more minutes. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Friend, that's when the battle began. Satan was already kicked out of heaven. You won't find anywhere in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve was warring against the devil. War did not begin until they allowed themselves to fall to temptation. And then the war wasn't with Satan. The war was with himself. Because sin had entered in. And so they start trying to figure out how to fix it. So they go to the little fig tree and they get some fig leaves. It's what the world is doing today. And they wrap themselves up in some little fig leaves. And they say, hey, what do you think about this? I got on J.C. Penney's fig leaves. Huh? That was old Adam because he didn't know where to shop. But alone come Eve. Eve had. Eve had on nostrums fig leaves. She knew how to shop. Trying to fix their own trouble. Trying to fix their own dilemma. That's the problem with the world. It's the reason why they're losing their battles. It's why our kids are committing suicide. It's why they're turning to immorality. It's why the generation that's coming up is losing all hope within themselves. Abandoning God. Abandoning respect. Abandoning morals. Why? Because they're losing the battle. Because fig leaves will not get it done. God shows up. He says, now, I'm not going to reveal everything, but I'm going to tell you how 
Now this battle must be won. He reached with his bare hand. He grabbed a lamb, threw it down on an altar, slit its throat, pulled its skin off, and then clothed Adam and clothed Eve. And he said, the only way you're going to win this war is through the blood. You don't win it through your intellect. You don't win it through your personal deeds and your personal righteousness. You can only win this battle through the blood. You can rebuke the devil. But you cannot rebuke sin. You have to cover sin. It has to be covered. You can't rebuke it. It's part of you. Look at your neighbor and just look him right in the eye and just say, you are a sinner. Brother Ortiz, I noticed you didn't look at your wife and say that. You cover, is that a black eye you covering up over there? <laughs> now you can't cover sin. I mean, you can't rebuke sin. Wherefore, as by one man sent it into the world, and death by sin. I'm sorry. Into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Tell your neighbor, you have sinned. Another place in the Word of God, the Bible says, For all have come short of the glory of God. Verse 13, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Romans chapter 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For that the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many of offenses under justification. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense. Death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Everybody say, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. Whereas by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, many be made righteous. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just or the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 
There's only one way to win the war. Through the blood of the one who came, who by himself conquered sin and death. The reason why Jesus Christ was able to give power to his disciples. So that they had power over all the power of the enemy. But it's because he had already conquered that. He had authority over that. But God had not conquered sin and death. Mm -mm. From that moment. And I don't mean God was going to die. I'm talking about the human race. From the moment that Adam sinned. The Bible tells us that death reigned, not Satan. Death reigned over humanity. Sin and death reigned over humanity. Satan just got himself all tangled up in it. Because he's like some saints, he just likes to be involved in the mess. that kind of fall where it may. You know, I got enough problems of my own trying to get involved in yours. I can pray for you without knowing anything. Okay, I, I'll stop. I just offended two-thirds of my congregation. It's amazing. And the other third of you just hadn't gotten involved yet. moment of pastoring. You can take that out of the Facebook in a moment. First Peter 3 and 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. He conquered sin and the grave. <laughs> he so conquered the grave that when he sat up in the tomb, a little, a little spiritual wave kind of made its way out of the tomb. And the Bible said 500 other people sat up with him. 500. Was it 500? 400. Walked around the city. Probably, probably most of them went and scared their siblings to death. That's what I would have done. I would have waited till she fell asleep. And then I would have jumped up from the other side of the bed and screamed. When he set up in that tomb, the power of death was forever conquered. But the disciples did not have power over the adversary until Jesus gave it to them. And you and I cannot have power over sin and death unless Jesus gives it to you. It's not just automatic because he conquered sin and death. 
that everybody else has conquered sin and death. You have not called me, I called you, he said. You have not chosen me, I chose you, he said. You didn't find me, I found you, he said. Jesus rose up out of that tomb. It wasn't automatic that all of the human race would never see death. Or the second death in this instance. When he shed his blood upon Calvary, though it was for the world, it did not remit the sins out of everyone on the planet. He has to give that to you. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of Christ, Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God doing what? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That was the war. And he won. And everybody that joins his kingdom, everybody that joins his army, he gives them power over sin and death because he reigns and rules. Woo! I'm closing. Let's stand. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Music. Paul said, here it is. I am crucified with Christ. I join him, not only in the fellowship of his power, but in the fellowship of his sufferings. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, 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 thy, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5 and 2, quickly. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior, First John 4 and 10. Herein is the love that not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Sin is Son. To be the propitiation of our sins.
Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. When they heard what? That they had crucified the Lord, but that he had conquered death. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the brethren, apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What can we do to conquer sin and the grave? Peter said unto them, repent of your sin. Repent of your sins. Every eye closed. Repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Because until you're willing to lay your sins down on the altar, the sacrifice does you no good. They didn't just bring a lamb to the altar. They brought their confession to the altar. They brought their wrong to the altar. They brought their faults and failures to the altar. And when that sacrifice was slain, they slain their sins with it. And it mingled with the blood. Repent. Repent, he said. And be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for why the remission of your sins. When you were baptized in the name of Jesus, the power of Calvary is invoked in your life. The blood that was shed on Calvary for the remission of sins is invoked in your life. And when you go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, your sins are washed away. You are given power over sin. You become victorious over sin. And then you are raised up, the Bible says, into a new life, a new creature. The old man is passed away. The old man dies behold all things become new you become a new creature in Christ you have conquered sin in your life through the blood of Jesus Christ and then you are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost gives you life and now you have conquered the power of the second death you may die the first death in the flesh but you will not die the second death because God has given you the victory over sin and the grave oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory Woo! why can I say that because he has given me The victory over death, hell, and the grave. He went down into hell, the Bible says. And he went straight up to that old devil. And he 
said, give me them keys. You will no longer have the power to lock anyone into an eternal grave. If they're locked into an eternal grave, it's by their choice. It's their choice. Because I am offering you today, the Lord says, the victory over sin and death. It's why he came. He didn't come to defeat the devil. He had done that. No one really knows how long before that. We can safely say 6,000 years earlier, but it might have been 6 trillion years. Who cares? He conquered him. It wasn't even a battle. He was like, what? been conquered he come to conquer sin and the grave for me gave his power over all the power of our enemy and then through baptism in his name and the infilling of his spirit he gets his power over sin in the grave. Now, don't misunderstand what pastor's saying. I, I know he came down and gave the devil a black eye. And there's all kinds of scriptures that deal with victory and being victorious. I'm just telling you, he had power over that long ago. He told me, and you don't even rejoice over that. He said, but this battle of the flesh, he said, now that's something. When you conquer the sin, now you can start rejoicing. You've done something, boy. But we don't even have the power to do that. He had to do that for us. Thank God he did. Because when he found this old boy, he found this old boy. Oh my God. The horror of sin captivated my heart, my life, the spirit of immorality and drugs and filth the stench the very stench of hell and somehow he reached in the middle of my pollution and he got a hold of me and he pulled me out and he gave me power over sin
sin, power over death and hell and the grave. Listen, something miraculous happened. And why don't we make our way to the altar? Why don't you, someone next to you, grab them by the hand and let's make our way to the altar. We're going to come and we're going to thank God today for the freedom he gave us. It cost him, cost him Calvary. You've never been filled with God's spirit. I pray you would come. You've never been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. I would pray that you would come. The Lord wants to give you power over your sins. He wants to give you power over the grave, over hell. I pray that you would come. I'm here to tell you, sir, ma'am. I'm here to tell you he can do it. He'll do it. He'll do it for you. That tug that's on your heart, don't refuse it. Come on. Come on. That's him calling you. That's him calling you. You feel that tug. You feel your heart beating. Oh, yes, you do. You feel that call from your spirit. What is it? It's the call of victory. It's the call of victory. Saying, come. I'll give you power over sin in your life. I'll give you power over death. Come. Come. I conquered it. I overcame it. Come. I'll bless you. I'll touch you. Come. Let me heal your heart. Let me take away your depression. Let me take away your fear. Let me take away your pain. Let me take away your hurt. Take your, your grief away. I can take your shame.